good. I'm good to go now. I think. Did you have your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was it was a good Thanksgiving. We um, we enjoyed a little family time, and, and um, we were supposed to play games, but we ended up just talking the whole time with uh, uh, some family members and uh, some friends who stopped over. We just had conversations the whole time. But my wife, Maria, she wanted to have like game night after we ate the food. But we ended up just talking nonstop. Well, that's good. And then, okay, and then here's the deal. My my daughter and my son-in-law showed up. And they have a four-month-old baby. And, you know, little babies around, uh, around uh, especially mothers and grandmothers, you know. We yeah. have a lot of friends who are mothers and grandmothers and they're my wife's friends. So they stopped over and, you know, um, they have to pass the baby around like, uh, you know, they and hold the baby and they pass the baby around uh, like uh, the baby's a uh, uh, kind of like a uh, a magical sphere, you know, like in, <laughs> you know, like in the movie uh in lord of the rings they you know everybody wants to hold the ring or hold that magical sphere and so i can, the see, I can see maria now my precious yeah, <laughs> Give me so, my precious. yeah i just tough. hope the baby don't turn out to be evil <laughs> it's older but you know they're holding passing the baby around like you know doing baby talk and everything and of course the baby's just adorable yeah, yeah. like like the that's a good that's a good impression of Gollum. <laughs> not really but thanks for the compliment the precious but did yeah, you um oh, i was gonna ask a question i can't remember um so first of all i need to apologize for what happened, and I'll let our listeners know, is that two weeks ago we recorded this, and me being an idiot, I don't know, no, you're not. messed up somehow, <laughs> lost the recording, so now we have to redo it. So it'll be this is um, our uh, second version of this same podcast. Do you want us to do an intro? You want to do I an can. intro? I'll just see if I can remember it. Live from Hollywood, California. This is the Blocks Paper Scissors Podcast. <laughs> My name is Clark Freilich. And I'm Clyde Gaw. And we are your hosts for the next hour. <laughs> this is a spontaneous, non-scripted podcast that may contain... Adult potty words. <laughs> Try not to, but every once in a while, one might slip in. But you've been warned. I've I've been pretty good about that. I'm I think I'm uh, batting a, a thousand on that. Now you, on the other hand, well, I don't I know, know if you've if you've let loose on any. I don't think I have, at least since we've been doing non-scripted. I um. Uh, uh, I, I know a bunch of sailor words, but I don't use them when I'm sailor talking to colleagues. You, you know? mean like uh, poop deck and? Yeah. <laughs> All right, you scurvy the dogs. <laughs> All right, you scurvy dogs. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, I see you bought something. Does your wife know uh, that you've been? Uh, You've been spending no, are, your um, your inheritance money. So for the kids' the inheritance week, money. <laughs> last weekend we had our, or two weekends ago we had our uh, pin meetup. Uh -huh. I ran into this old guy who's been collecting pens for fifty years. Right, fifty and, years. Uh, How deep are you into it? Huh? How deep are you into it? Um, this is my How fourth deep? year, but fourth he time. had some. Um, 
nice vintage pens like this pen. These are, I bought these three pens from him. And I know uh -huh. these people can't see it, but I'll show you. Um, and they're, this is from the mid 30s. Uh huh. They all work. It's a Mont Blanc. Is that a is that a wooden or no? Uh, this is a um, it's for, precious does, resin. Does the audience members do the audience members know we're talking about your uh, your fountain, fountain pen collection? No, probably not. But I got three very nice vintage um, seventy year plus pens. I know you you showed me some fountain pens that are like, you know, four figure worth in the four figures, but they can go up even higher than that. I don't right? own any of those pens. Unless you, you count cents as your four figures, because <laughs> because you, I was I was you, looking at one day today that a friend of mine was uh, had been up to Chicago. And I sent, yeah. I sent her a picture of one that was $17,000. Yeah, wow. Yeah. She said, no, I'm not buying that for you. <laughs> well, that's your collector, your collector's um, uh, interest, your interest in collecting. Yeah. Uh, but they, know, they still write, so I still use them. I don't buy something just to sit in a box. I have right. to use it, so right uh, and, you know we we both are collectors you you have a penchant for fountain pens the real good ones and i have a pension a pension for cheap books and, um, and knives and knives too. <laughs> although uh yeah i don't i don't have as many of those as i have books so but um growing up up in the woods of northern indiana up in the in the uh, Kankakee marshlands, the Grand Kankakee marshlands of Laporte uh, and St. Joe County up there, there's lots of woods. And um, I mean, you can, you need an, a good knife to build a fort if you're going to build one up in the, in the wilderness up there. And, and so those would come in handy. And of course we were, as little kids, we were, always making hunting weapons out of, you know, bows and arrows or spears. Secret so, art of boys. Yeah. The secret art of boys. And so that was one of our interests growing up. And um, I mean, that was part of our, part of our culture a little bit up there. So. Um, well, but, I think it was just the times because I was <clears throat> talking with my daughter last week before she went on vacation without me. That, um, <laughs> You'd slow her down. <laughs> yeah. We would, uh, you know, as a 12-year-old, we would go camping. We would uh -huh. just go down by the river, start a fire. Yeah. And sleep in our sleeping bags, you know, 12 years old, unsupervised. Yeah, this is during your childhood. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know. You now free, everybody has to be supervised. You were a free-range kid back in those days, right? Mm-hmm. You, you hung out with a bike gang? Or I should... Uh, we, I had should a, we had, bicycle, we had a, a... Bicycle gang. Bicycle gang, yeah. <laughs> the Hell's Angels. The Hell's Angels of Anderson, Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> We had some sick jumps too. This is like nineteen seventy ish, nineteen eighty ish. Yep. In that area. And you guys are 70, building seventy two. You guys are coming up with your own uh play play activity ideas. Now well, yeah, we, we play. were it was all play. That's how we learned, right? Right. You guys are building jumping ramps. Tree houses, tree houses, jumping ramps, fires. You never <laughs> building fires. Yeah, <laughs> taking risks. And and so, uh, like, so when I, when folks see your hot glue gun table, and they might worry about the kids burning themselves, 
that's just a risk that i mean it's low temp cool shots right right so the there's it might be a slight risk but if you're using a cool shot with hot glue for building with uh cardboard and little pieces of wood it's it's really quite feasible and you can come up with some really good works oh and the, and the dramatic the, kids, the, the kids dramatic kids they'll get some warm glue on their hands and you'd think that their arm had been cut off <laughs> okay you remember that one time we did a summer art camp at uh in uh with the indianapolis parks department this is before we went to southern hancock summer art camps and and we had uh i remember the hearst brothers uh they you remember the the one the one young boy he was in he was fresh out of preschool he was like four four years old four and a half five years old and he saw his that wasn't sawyer was it it could have uh no it was the one one little bit one younger right yeah and and he saw his little his older brother with the hot glue guns making uh uh sculptures and he we he asked us if if he could use them and we said well no you'll have to get permission from your mom because you're still a little too young well he he went ahead and told his grandma to buy him one at uh at the the uh the arts the hobby lobby or walmart somewhere and um and lo and behold, he came back with a three, four foot long marble run he brought to camp that he had built that night. I was just amazed that, uh, first of all, that gra- that he told grandma he wanted a hot glue gun and she, she consented to buy him a hot glue gun. And then he brings all of his gear and then a four foot long marble run back to camp the next day. And he was showing it off. We posted the, the video of it on yeah. YouTube. <clears throat> And uh, and that has like um, uh, I don't know over maybe a thousand hits I don't know maybe only five hundred but um, but yeah you, it's amazing what when you awaken the desire and the creative spirit in children you know what they what they can come up with and uh, to uh, to provide them with those opportunities right. to to you know to 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 be autonomous they can really surprise you and that's the whole the whole uh benefit of tab that's just one layer of benefit as we've right. discussed and uh uh you know we the kid with dis- with discovery learning we see children you know self-directed learning can lead to all kinds of surprises and that was one that really took us back i remember at the time we were like what the he's only five he's not even five years old and uh he you know that goes back to the the evolutionary uh the evolutionary uh capacity the the link to learning the you know the uh the evolutionary human trait uh biological trait of learning and uh with desire and the the psychoevolutionary, the the linkage to emotional drive, what emotional drive is linked to learning. And so uh, we see here where the child is, you know, he's driven by uh, the capacity of his curiosity and uh, his psychogenic internal powers and back to the the strong connection to emotional drive and all that comes together in the tab classroom and uh and and we saw that demonstrated right there and then how powerful that phenomenon can be we were taken aback i remember we were like looking at each other dumbfounded like what in the world did we just unleash and of course yeah, we, were, and we we wonder you know when you think about it the autonomy and the unsupervised or not necessarily unsupervised, but the, 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 um, the feeling of not being judged for what you're doing. 
Right. And um, the uh, after after we witnessed that, you know, he he was granted permission, you know, to carry on with his investigations. Right. And, um, and that that kid now uh, is um, he's a senior right now, getting ready to uh, graduate, I believe. Uh, his brother, of course, who was in the camp with us, his older brother, um, he's now at a uh, Indiana State in flight school, uh, learning to be a pilot. And uh, but all of those brothers, there was four of them. You know, they're all doing really well, and of course. I mean, we can't. I mean, we can't say that we're behind all of their success or anything, but we're proud to say that that we help to contribute in some small measure to their intellectual development. And you know, they're going on to greater things right now. And of course, their their mother is a former colleague of of ours, and who was a teacher. And um, so that definitely <laughs> that has a lot to do with it too. But the but it was fun for us to provide them with opportunities to really gain confidence in their creative uh, development. And, uh, right. and, and I don't think, you know, they weren't pushed in any particular way or at least in their art career, they weren't uh -huh. pushed to perform in any anyway or you know they were they all went through tab yeah they they really took off with the concept of tab yeah those boys did and so you know as a teacher who's been doing you and i both doing tab for about 20 you longer than i but uh about 20 years um, we, you know, we notice not all children are able to uh, to jump right in with idea development and uh, self with uh, self actualizing ideas. No, I just think I think that's hard for kids. It's hard for most. It's hard for a lot of kids. I I don't know what's the percentage. You think fifty fifty or no? I think um, I think kids. You're, you know, younger kids don't have typically don't have a problem of coming up with ideas. Right. Now, I think new teachers to tab uh -huh. um, are kind of are looking for something different than what those their ideas are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you know, when you're when you're teaching kids to come up with ideas it's not it's not something that happens over three months it takes a long time to get kids comfortable with coming up with they have ideas but getting them comfortable enough to want to explore those ideas right um because they're 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 thinking about a lot of other things what their friends are doing we I, we've we've talked about this before. The whole institution of K twelve education does, I believe, does something to children. And I had mentioned, I think I have like fifty fifty percent observation of children who are easily can express ideas, and the other fifty percent, you got to really work hard with them to help them be uh, be able to engage in conceptualizing uh foundationally uh from an from an idea and going through the uh in generating a creative uh outcome from just an uh, an idea so it, so we have to uh to work really hard with that other percentage of children who who are have difficulty doing it but that's not to say that, you know, we're not providing children with foundational skills. Um, and, you know, th there's a reason why Kathy and uh, Diane, Pauline, you know, John, they conceptualize TAB as, you know, providing uh, 
uh, all kinds of artistic skill development right off the get-go. So no, that, what's more foundational than an idea? I mean, right. you have to have an idea. That's when you come into the classroom, you're expected to have an idea, right? Right. And, and but so, go ahead. Like, well, I was just going to say, like, you know, we, we can count on children to have that idea, but if they don't, then we've got, we've got activity centers set up where they can jump on, jump on the back of, of uh, those, that content, that information. There's the, the five minute demo, which we're providing direct uh, instruction and uh, transfer of content directly. And during a teacher uh, instructional presentation, um, and then, of course, you know, there's, you know, children share ideas with each other and inspire each other. There's the room. There's research spaces in the room. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, there's always a fallback of direct instruction with a child who, who can't, who has difficulty uh, coming up with an idea. But and then and then we've also said there's also the possibility of giving a child time just to be and observe. And uh, and so there's there's that also, but you know thinking about when you when you flip the switch on art education as opposed to not giving a child choices, um, I think there's there's all kinds of internal benefit, and we've touched on this before, and and I keep looking at Friedel Dicker Brandeis who was the uh, mentor to Edith Kramer, who's a linchpin in contemporary art therapy. And and we've stated this before, Clark, that we're not art therapists, but the work that we do and the experiences that we provide are very, very therapeutic and beneficent and generative and lead to uh, uh, all kinds of uh, developmental benefit to, to children who come through our programs. And, uh, and I, was, I was doing some, I was doing a little bit of uh, research the other day, and I came across one of our videos uh, from, I think it must have been from 15 years ago before I started teaching was while I was still teaching in elementary, and I was scanning my camera around the room, talking to kids and videotaping them at work. And one one child, uh, I came across there. There they were doing a collaborative painting, and they were taking the back end of their brush. And I'd showed them how to do scraffito into wet paint with the back end of their brush. And I asked this this one child. I said, "What's?" She? I think they were in fourth grade. I said, what's going on here? And uh, she said, it's a tornado. I said, a tornado? Have you ever been in a tornado before? And she said, yes. I said, my goodness gracious, what happens in a tornado? She says, everything gets destroyed. I'm like, you know, at, at the time, I just kind of, oh, that's a funny story. Now I'm thinking back, my goodness gracious, this child was re reliving trauma in my room. And I thought, what? And I'm like, God, you, you should have, you know, I moved on to the next child. Uh, I forget, I, I might have had a little bit more small talk with her. But, I, you know, at the time, I, I was thinking, my goodness, this child's processing her experience with the tornado. And as we know, <laughs> tornadoes in Indiana are terrifying. Ter tornadoes anywhere are terrifying. No, just the ones in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> no, I know. I, when, Kate, I when, Aaron, when Aaron was out in Kansas, uh -huh. and uh, <clears throat> if they had a um, tornado warning, and you did not seek shelter, you could have, you could be expelled. Really? That's how serious they took their tornadoes. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, because they don't want to lose any students. Well, no, I mean, it was just the tornadoes there. We have long spindly tornadoes here. There, they're a mile wide because yeah, of the plane. F5s. Yeah. Oh, Whoops, an adult. I let an but, adult word slip. But but back to um, what you were talking about with, you know, you know, and, and when kids have the time to play, and I'm air quoting play because I don't mean it in, you know, play is the work of a child. Mm. And so when we use the word play, that's how they learn is playing with materials, playing with an idea and you know, giving them the opportunity to play without the fear of judgment, right? Without a requirement of, you know, a grade, yeah, you know, <clears throat> or doing it the right way, right? And, and during the act of play, you get to organize the all the uh, parameters of play right and the organization the structure of the play and so again you're empowered uh, as the director of the play you're emp empowering uh and uh, your 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 actions and so play is so critical and of course all the the inter the integration of the uh, imagination with the body um with with um uh, uh with all of the other uh uh mental executive functionings that will take place during those events is uh is critical in child development with the, you know the integration of emotions and um uh that's also so critical uh, from a developmental standpoint, uh, providing uh, complex opportunities for complex play, and um, and of course it's idiosyncratic in each and every child. So the way that the way that we see play taking off in our rooms, uh, the uh, the out the outside observer may not understand what's going on when they see. 10 different play groups going on in in the tab classroom playing with materials or playing with uh, art concepts uh, or art ideas uh, the outside observer may not understand it readily um, but uh, for those of us who understand what it's like to differentiate uh, self-directed creativity creative mm -hmm. action it's perfectly, perfectly fine. And, you know, when, like Kathy Douglas would say, you know, that's the hum. She loves to hear the hum in the classroom when, you know, there's a hum of communication. And yeah, when it happens, you know, it's happening because you're just looking and you're like, it's just, it's, you know, it's like hearing the perfect drive. It's right. just, you know, it happens when it happens. Um, and you can't force that. You can't, you know, say, all right, we're all going to do this and then expect it to happen because it happens at random times. And just when it happens, you just have to sit back and, and really enjoy it while it's happening yeah. because although it happens more frequently in a tab classroom. It doesn't happen all the time right? in a tab classroom. And to, to expect it to happen all the time is, is, is not realistic. I mean, because there's just so many factors that go into each individual day. And, yeah. you know, and we're getting ready to go back to school tomorrow and, it's going to be completely different than it was 
a week ago Friday. Right. Um, kids are going to be dysregulated. Kids yep. are going to be excited to be back in school. They'll be tired. Um, <clears throat> Christmas is just four weeks away. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're uh, speaking of getting tired. Yeah, the kids are, you know, the end of this first semester is coming up, and I can see that in from working with high school kids and youngers also, you know, they know there's a lot of pressure on them to finish out the semester. And we're going to be seeing kids who are feeling pressurized to get the, Ooh. you know. Speaking of pressure, I want to talk about, wow. Ah, wild. <laughs> The wild, wonderful, wonderful work of wonderful work what? of art. Yeah, wild. I, uh, we had mentioned in an earlier podcast. Well, uh, was originated by Barb Barry, a wonderful art teacher in uh, Maine, and uh, that was early in the uh, in the <clears throat> in the days around two thousand five, two thousand six. That that acronym Wow was a big uh, that was a, that was a big concept in among tab circles and it still is today, but it's like it puts places pressure on the child. I uh, we've talked about this. We're we're not fans of Wow. Um, we well, we tend we like to collect Wow pieces as they emerge out right. all throughout the year. I mean, if I was to ask a student, and I don't do wow, and, you know, full disclosure, when it first came out, I was like, okay, let's give it a go. Let's see. Because I think in any tab situation, whenever somebody has a good idea or presents something, you try it, right? Right. Because you want to see if your results are the same as what they got. Yeah. And my results were not good. I did not. Um, did anyone feel. ask you, did any, anyone ask you, is this what you want? Did they yeah. walk up to you with their artwork well, and say, is this what you want, Mr. Mister Fralick? Right. I mean, it was, it was like I was putting pressure on them to create another expectation of, you know, what what is a wow piece? You know, yeah. it's something they're proud of. Well, what I noticed is that kids would do the least amount necessary, you know, to to do to turn it in. Because some, you know, you had your ten percent that would do wow pieces and and understand maybe the concept of wow, um, but the rest were just like you know, here I'm turning it in. <laughs> um, with an artist statement and what they would do the least amount possible, you know, yeah. and it, and thinking about it, it was, you know, to me, it, it just, it was an artificial requirement yeah. um, to please me in, in, a, in a, my, in my need to control outcomes. Right. Yeah. So I <clears throat> I, yeah, the 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 extra pressure that you you're placing on them, some of them just will crumple uh, with a uh, token artwork and just yeah. say, "Well, oh, here, here's your, you know, here's the requirement. Here you go." Is this here the you best go. you can do? Really? Yep. <laughs> and that's you know we ask that's all we, we you know is give us your best work, but we want people again. What does that mean? Give us your best work. Uh -huh. you, know, you have to truly believe that kids are going to give you the best at any given time. Now, is it is their best not going to be optimal? <laughs> no, not all the time. Our best isn't optimal all the time. <clears throat> we can't expect no. we can't expect of our kids things that we can't do ourselves. You know, right. Sometimes if I'm sick or I don't feel good. You know, I'm just trying to hang it into the end of the day, right? Right. And trying to make those, can't make the time go any faster when you're not feeling well. Right. So <clears throat> we we like to play the long game. Right. And um, 
and so you know we're just we're looking for when we when we think about exhibitions uh and publication and uh presentations of children's work we're kind of on an as needed opportunistic basis when when the uh when the work is there we'll negotiate the work for exhibition and like and i always use the ploy wow this is this is like a showstopper we have to put this in the art show uh what do you think about that do you think we can do that now with older kids they can respond to negotiation i think better some of them are like no you're not gonna no i don't want to exhibit some of them don't want to exhibit period and i honor that but with little kids now you you may have you you have more expertise in this area with little kids sometimes it's hard to get art <clears throat> art from them and and they don't want they don't want to <laughs> they don't want to give you their art and they're like no i'm taking it home well it it depends it's either a you know it's like i want to you know this is a great piece can we put this in the art show uh-huh. And and they're like, yeah, do I get it back? And I'm like, absolutely, you get everything back. Um, yeah. or it's, I want you to put this in a frame, and put it in the front forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, first of all, we don't have I don't have artwork around the school like I used to. Uh-huh. Um just because kids would knock it off the wall. Oh. Yeah. For so those who are listening, I used to have probably 50 frames of art, framed artwork around the school. I remember those. And um, but they've been probably getting, over the last huh? 10 years, probably 10 years ago, I took it all down mm. because kids have, times have changed. Kids would... <laughs> literally rip the pictures off the wall Uh-oh. and you know i can't afford to frame all that stuff all the time so yeah they're they're most of them are in my room i've given a lot of them back to the artists you can um, show the kids the work in, in the uh they can see the works in the art room yeah you know we, so you we put them up them. on the wall in the hallway but again they have to be high enough that kids can't get to them I've yep. had kids say, I go, can we put this in the wall in the hallway? They're like, no, because it'll get ripped up. It's like, fine. You know, can't guarantee it's not going to get ripped up. But when when you have a uh, an all school art show, you're <clears throat> you have a show folder for each class that you that you negotiate the work and tell the child, you know, this is for the art show. And, um, you know, we're going to exhibit this and, you know, thousands of people are going to see your work. Let's go ahead and tuck it away here in the art show folder. And you can invite grandma and grandpa or mom and dad or whoever is in your family. And, um, you know, this is a special piece. Let's put this in the art show. I think 90% of the time children will agree to put their work in, in the art show. I know that when it comes down to uh, deadlines, um, I'll just, I I will uh, ask children to make something for the, you know, go ahead and make make something for the art show. I wouldn't call it a wow piece. I'd say, are you going to, and then with some children, they just don't want to exhibit. And um, if I ask, and if a parent asks me, why isn't Fred's work? In the art show, I'm like, Fred doesn't want to exhibit. So uh, so there's always that. But but <clears throat> those are rare occasions, but they do happen. And that's that's just the way I handle it. And I'm comfortable handling uh, art exhibitions that way. But we have, you know, pretty high pers- uh, participation rate whenever we do, uh, when we did art shows back in the old days and and even now at the high school level we have a very high participation rate 
and we've yeah. always generated enough art for de decent art shows. Yeah, so. I mean, it would be nice. I know some teachers require everyone to have at least one piece of artwork in the art show. Uh -huh. And, you know, that's the ultimate goal. But again, not everyone wants to have every piece of art or their art in the art show. Um, and then if, if you're going to put something in there, make sure you have their permission uh, before you put it in there. I've had <clears throat> kids who've given me artwork and forgot about it, especially in elementary. Yeah. And then freak out when they see their artwork in the art show because they didn't want that piece in the art show. Oh, my. Like, you they can it be to traumatic. Me to put it in the art show. Yeah. That, and there can you don't be want it trauma. in the art show. So, I mean, if, there's always one that the night of the art show, where's my piece of artwork? Yeah. And you're like, did you turn one in? <laughs> no, you're, I thought you were, it's all, yeah. it's always, well, aren't you, weren't you supposed to do that for me, Mr. Frelick? <laughs> no, you did. You've got, remember our, our, the, uh, the procedure is to put your work in, in this folder or in the, in the storage box in the storage area. And we know right. it's, I go in sometimes and I'll just, I'll go through the, uh, works in progress and and i'll exhibit works in progress later on and, uh, we'll just label the work if if i desire to do so but um uh the the other thing uh with respect to art shows is um collecting the work as we move throughout the year and um so the playing the long game has has been beneficial. That's that's how I'm I'm operating uh, when I prepare for. I'm thinking about the art show from day one of the semester, and I'm collecting work straight out, and I'm just looking for one that special one. So it could be collected at any time. Right. But the other thing that we have are portfolio images. Uh, the child, the child is in at the high school level. The children are developing their own portfolios, uh, and uh, that's a requirement to get a grade uh, in my program. I, I, so I have quote unquote accountability, as if I I should be held accountable, but it's something I do uh, just as an assessment tool. And um, so the portfolios that kids are developing, I always have that as a backup to show folks. Well, here's, you know, Johnny didn't want to participate in the art show, but we've got his portfolio here. I can show you work that Johnny's doing in class. So Johnny makes a portfolio and then I make, I'll take photographs also of children that I'm interested in photographing. If I know that they're they're not, you know, I need to photograph them doing work i'll keep photos of their of their hand uh, involved in a work of art and uh i typically keep faces out of it but sometimes not yeah i think but, that's that's really important to to take pictures and but this kind of skates on the concept you know for art shows of quality you know what pieces are we putting in and the concept of what makes an art piece good enough to be put in an art show. Yeah. And and teaching kids how to look at their artwork in a way that they want to show what they've done. And you know, it's not gonna be not everyone is gonna have you know, perfect pieces. I, this year I've more than anything, I've really talked to the kids about not, not expecting perfection, you know, uh -huh. perfection's overrated. Um, there isn't an art, art person, an artist that I know who, when they're done with a piece of artwork, if you ask them if it was perfect, they'd say, no, it's not, you know, they can always, or, you know, you can always improve in art. There's always ways that you can improve and ways that 
you know, you can conceive what, what it is, what quality is. And it's probably a little bit easier for you to instruct your students as high school students um, what quality is. Um, yeah. Because it's little... it's such an abstract term, um, especially in when you're looking at abstract art. And younger kids, they're striving for realism. That's yeah. the that's the end all beat all. The Lowenfeld to... Lowenfeldian stages of drawing stages. Yeah, uh, they, they they want it to be perfect. Right. Um the um I, I forget the uh the, the last stage of Lowenfeld's you have the scribble stage, of course, where they're just learning to manipulate material, uh, and then the the upper the upper level stages they're symbolic, and, uh, and then they want the representation. They want to represent real, uh, you know, dawning realism, and uh, and sometimes after they realize, hey, this is doing observation drawing and representing things photographically. That's hard, and I can't quite. I can't put it all together. Uh, eye hand coordination, imaginative, uh, uh, emotional disassociation. Here, I can't do it, and so some of them fall out and say, "I can't draw." You know, I'll end up, and then, and then, then there's other. There might be negative feedback on them. Oh, that looks like, you know, that doesn't look real. That looks. You know, they might f negatively receive feedback and then like they they abandon their attempts at drawing or they just don't have self-satisfaction with trying to achieve realism and then they give it up. And it's like, you know, I can't draw. Like, well, It's hard for it, them. I mean, as when I look at third and fourth graders struggle with uh, three dimensions, um, you know, I don't teach a lesson on two-point perspective. I just, uh -huh. you know, we talk about perspective. There's maybe a handful of kids who could do it, uh -huh. uh, but they have to show me an interest in it first. They're the ones who are, if they're trying to do it, I'll help them figure it out by showing them how to do one point perspective and they so, and, and then like oh cool yeah once once they see once they learn the principles of it it's like well hell i can do i can do this mm -hmm. oh did i just let a adult word slip out i think i did but oh. but yeah the children nothing my kindergartners have never heard before <laughs> Or told me. <laughs> we hear all kinds of words. Yeah. In the field of K-12 education. <laughs> but, but, it, um, but back to, you know, once you show them how to do one point perspective and they say, well, hell, I can do that. And you you show them the technique. It's like, well, yeah, I, yeah, I can grasp this. And that just comes down to working you know, one-on-one -on -one or as needed on an as-needed basis and doing an intervention with the child. Uh, uh, and so, um, but, you know, that's that's where, uh, you know, emergent, emergent uh, instruction, emergent curriculum comes in handy is where you, you see that the child has a need for that. And so it's on a case-by-case -case basis where you're developing quality you're uh you're working through uh uh elements related to quality and uh so uh <laughs> so we we were on the tab facebook page recently and the question about showing austin uh austin's butterfly came up and i feel i felt badly because uh later on kathy wrote a good reply to uh, the poster, but 
Um, but we were, but Austin's butterfly was a topic of discussion. And um, uh, I think back to being developmentally appropriate, what's uh, questions about quality, uh, adult ideas about quality, should that, uh, if I enter, if I intervene, if I do uh, a intervention uh, utilizing adult ideas of quality, what, you know, when, if I impose my ideas on a child, uh, that's dangerous, I believe, uh, because, the child, first of all, the child may reject them. Uh, secondly, the child may decide, well, I can't achieve that. Uh, and third, it may, it may divert the child away from a new idea. And yeah. or a, new, a a natural pathway, uh, linear pathway, uh, or uh, maybe it's not linear. Maybe they have they've got another uh, interest that they want to pursue, and so uh, I don't want them to spend uh, any more time on uh, uh, a creative adventure than than they need to, than they want to, and and so adult ideas about. Uh, what is quality? Um, this is a this is a negotiated process and one that I believe uh, if we impose our ideas of uh, what's quality, we run the risk of uh, disengaging a child. And that gets back to I'm thinking about Friedel Dicker Brandeis and her her pedagogy uh, was uh, you know at at the Bauhaus uh, they they did a lot of free association creative action at the Bauhaus. You know, they, of course, they learned uh, techniques, content. Uh, there were, you know, major uh, investigations into artistic artistic conce concepts and, and uh, 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 from my research on the Bauhaus. But there are also lots of, lots of opportunities for, uh, for, you know, art art making based on one's free will and interests. And Friedel Dicker Brandeis, she was very much a choice-based art teacher. And even I might even go so far as to say a tab teacher. Uh, with of course she was limited in what she could do because of course she's working in a Nazi concentration camp. But um uh but her her work at uh Theresienstadt uh, inspired Edith Kramer and her and her art education pedagogy, and later on uh, affected uh, the whole of contemporary art therapy. So, uh, so I like to revisit the work that Friedel Dicker Brandeis did, um, and uh, I'm I'm right now I'm reading a paper by a wonderful uh, art therapist named Lenny Wicks. Uh, and uh, she she wrote an article that's easily accessed called Aesthetic Empathy in Teaching Art to Children, the work of Friedel Dicker Brandeis and Terrazin, uh, which is the name of the uh, the camp that uh, she was working at in uh, early 1940s in, in Prague, near Prague in, in Czechoslovakia. But, um, you know, there... Dicker Brandeis was very much interested in the ideas of children and uh, and and was giving them all kinds of opportunity to uh, express, you know, what they had witnessed. And she was being witness to their childhood through through the uh, art program that she provided in secret many times. Uh, at that uh, at that place in time, and, uh, of course, Randall Dicker Brandeis's life story is one of courage, and uh, it's one filled with uh, admiration and heroism and uh, and tragedy. And uh, but from her work uh, came came forth many of the things in 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 contemporary art therapy that are important and that's you know freedom of expression and uh and and we're and 
self uh, the the uh, art activity as a way to self organize one's thoughts and uh, identity and uh, and process trauma through art making so we see in Dicker Brandeis the the idea that the creative act itself is is highly therapeutic and beneficial and um and so even as we've said before we're not art therapists the uh the creative events that we can provide in the classroom are potent events potent learning events that have multi multiple benefit to children in so many ways and back to the story of the, the the girl talking about her tornado picture you know back then i didn't really realize what what was going on and it's now that i i understand that uh, that particular painting event was probably pretty important in that girl's school day a little fourth grade girl but um so yeah, through the art, through through the creative process, you see a generative, a generative uh, result. That's what I tried to write about in uh, uh, a chapter in a book that uh, I was a part of a book project by uh, Kelly Kelly Vaughn, Professor Dr. Kelly Vaughn uh, of uh, Purdue Northwest, and uh, Dr. Isabel Nunez of uh, Purdue Fort Wayne invited me to write uh, a chapter in, in their wonderful book called Enacting Praxis. And um, so uh, I, I wrote a, a, a book, or I'm sorry, I wrote a chapter for their book related to TAB. I told our story, your, your story, and, and our, our story, how we, we kind of hooked up with Kathy and Diane and John Pauline and have been we've been uh ad, you know we've been ad adopted tab into our uh art education professional practice ever since that because we saw what the uh, possibilities for dynamic learning experience would be through tab but uh so that's What's what the I name of the book it's the name of the book is entitled Enacting Praxis, uh, How Educators Embody Curriculum Studies. And it's a wonderful book. There's, there are uh, uh, many, and I, there's over 20 educators who write essays in the book. And uh, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, areas of curriculum studies that I represent is curriculum theory as proposed by uh, William Pinar and the idea of curriculum as an autobiography uh, and so uh, telling one's story uh, through uh, an autobiographical bricolage uh, of in my in my situation it's always been, mixing up art with with uh words and stories uh the mixture the bricolage of of art and and uh, words stories conversations and in fact uh there's a another eminent uh educator who's connected to william pinar and that's uh, rita Irwin up in canada and she she developed a uh uh, a structure of learning called the artography and many there's many uh art educators who are i believe are familiar with the artography structure of uh investigation but in in our situation it's self-investigation through art and we give children permission in the tab classroom to do self-investigations i think nothing could be more important uh, than letting the child use one's self as the the uh, the center of uh, one's study in school uh, from there spins off all kinds of 
uh, meaningful pathways to learning. And so uh, that's why I just in love with TAB and uh, I see so many possibilities for meaningful experience through TAB and the investigation of of uh, one's life and uh, self-study through art absolutely and interdisciplinary studies so we get to know our kids through their art oh through their art their stories their artist yeah. statements the artist statements that they write are can be so compelling so compelling we didn't mention that about the uh, the art show the other art show piece that that i i know you you try to facilitate this also is to try to get them to squeeze out an artist statement to go with their art those artist statements can be just they can just be so potent and compelling when you when you pair them up with the art it's like oh my gosh what's going on here it can be like a the aha moment now that can that in and of itself can be a wow piece when you pair when you pair an artist statement with with children's art it's like wow really becomes a wow piece yeah. you didn't have to push it to become one yeah but i think we need to uh, wrap this up can't believe it's been an hour are we out of time just about we're just getting started i know so much to talk about so much but that gives us opportunity for more podcasts down the road as we we, uh, try to record more often yeah hopefully we'll get one in before christmas I, I want to organize a uh, a group chat with some folks. I keep saying this, and I, I've been really bad about it, but we will. Yeah, we'll get some more people. Sounds good. All right, Cl- Clyde, thanks for hanging out for a while. Appreciate you. It's all good. Have a good week. Anything else you need to talk about? Anything coming up? That's it. That's it. Awesome. I know that. Um, oh, your timer just went off. I know. Oh, we're still recording. Though. Oh, we're still recording. Yeah. I thought but you I gonna... just um, that just gives us an idea how long we've been going. Um, I thought you were going to shut me down. No, I'm getting ready to shut you down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, oh, December is we... always crazy for me because music programs. Christmas interruptions in teaching. Yeah. Um, we do have something else coming up. We got a, uh, we're, we're working with Nancy walk up again at school arts. Oh yeah. We got a special edition coming up. Some really good authors. We had some really good authors last time. Yeah. I don't think I turned in anything. You were, you were in it last time. Yeah. I was going to write something, but I, Things got lost, confused. So it's all good. We give other folks a chance to participate, and that's really important. I know. I can't do it all, Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some hot, hot art teachers coming up. We need to start passing the baton, right? Yeah, I hate to say it, but my days are numbered as far as doing uh, teaching. In K twelve ed, this is my fortieth year, and uh, like we were talking about earlier, I got a grand granddaughter, and uh, the rest of you know my the rest of the family uh, that uh, can help facilitate uh, their their journeys, and and uh, and so there's going to be life after teaching here for me a new phase coming up so but uh, we still have a lot to say and do before that time happens before i make a curtain call you and i have we still have our work cut out for us we've got a lot to do in the next year and a half yeah 
we've got some big plans coming up. Cool. All right. Well, on that note, we will wrap it up until next time. So thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all you guys do. Um, I do too. And I uh, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. And if we don't talk again, have a good holiday. We can if, make if it we for don't the next have four pro- weeks. If we don't have art programs I, I in schools, I just worry about the future. Yeah. I really worry about it. That's why the work that all of our colleagues do is so important. Yeah. So say goodbye, Clyde. See you later, Clark. Bye-bye, everybody. Later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. The Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast is available from Podbean and iTunes.